All right, good morning again. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Pastor Drew, and I'm so happy to see all of you, even though you are distanced from each other, and I'm seeing some of you through a camera. Uh, it's just so good uh, to be together. And a big shout out and thanks to all the volunteers that helped make today happen, um, whether you're out here uh, striping lines or handling the audiovisual or at the registration table or making the bulletins. We are so thankful that as a church, uh, we value gathering together enough to take the time and energy to make this happen. So thank you to all the volunteers. And if you, yeah, give them a big shout out. Uh, and if you have the time, we would love, we're going to need help in each week kind of making this happen. Uh, so they, we will send out a link in the email tomorrow. Uh, so please take the time to uh, just take a note um, to, to write your name in there so you can get here early on a Sunday. Um, and we, it's a great opportunity to see everybody, our registration table. Uh, one of Christina was up there saying, I've got the best seat in the house. I get to say hello to everybody if you're not seeing them for 11 months. Uh, so we would love for you uh, to have that opportunity as well. Uh, so for the uh, sermon today, it'll be a little bit shorter for these outdoor services, uh, just to help with the time of how long uh, the children need to stay in those rectangles. Um, but we'll be looking at a passage from John 2. So it should be in your bulletin, uh, or you can open up your Bibles if you brought a Bible today. And so I'm going to do my best to give this sermon without my notes flying off, um, but I'm sure that the Lord will provide. Um, so when we think about Coming together as well as this season of Lent, uh, it feels like a weird tension that I'm just going to name. It is so exciting uh, to be able to worship and hear your voices as we worship alongside each other, uh, which feels like almost a little bit Easter, um, but also we are in this season of Lent, and if you are new to the church calendar, what this season is is a time of preparation up to uh, Good Friday and the Easter weekend where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And during this season of Lent, we take a little bit more um, of, a, of, a, of a concentrated look at our sin, at our mortality, uh, of difficult things in the scripture. Um, and so today feels like we are excited to gather together, and now I'm going to talk about some really hard things. So it feels a little bit uh, like a little odd tension, but that is kind of the tension of Lent in general. And so when we go through Lent and we are asking the Lord to examine our hearts and show us more and more of our sin and our neediness for Him. He is doing that, but He's also reminding us, hopefully daily, especially weekly, of how good His love is for us. Amen? Amen. And so when we look at this passage today from John 2, we're going to talk, it's, it's a famous passage I'll read in just a minute, uh, where Jesus uh, is flipping over tables. I thought about bringing some tables out here and flipping them over, but we only have like seven and we need all of them, so I couldn't do that. Um, but it's a famous passage, and it's talking about the biblical word is rebuke. And if you have been alive for any sort of amount of time, there's been some point in your life that I'm sure, maybe in this past week, maybe even this morning, where someone corrected you. Um, and it could have been something that happened when you were in school or at work or in your home. But someone saw something you were doing and said, that's not right or that's not good, and they corrected you. But we also know there's a big difference when we are corrected, when we're corrected from someone that we know loves us versus someone that we question whether or not they're correcting us because they love us or they're just angry at us or don't love us and are just doing it out of spite for us. But when we see Jesus today and when we see Jesus every day in our lives gently correcting us or even harshly correcting us, he does it because he loves us. 
And it makes such a huge difference when we feel that correction from people that love us versus people we question that love. So as I read this passage, think about it as someone who is doing this in love for his people. So this is John chapter 2, uh, and we are looking at verses 13 through 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. And others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. And we as a church say, thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, we are so grateful for your scripture, and we're so grateful for the fact that it was relevant 2,000 years ago, and it's relevant on March 7th, 2021. Allow us as the people of God to be shaped by the word of God this morning. Allow us as the people of God to be submissive to the work of the spirit to make us more and more like Christ today. Father, allow us to see ourselves in this story. Allow us to understand the love of Jesus even more through this passage today. Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the work you have been doing, are due, and promise to do at Redeemer. Continue to do at Redeemer. I thank you that during this season of, of the pandemic and all sorts of adjustments that had to be made, you have kept us unified as a church. And I pray that you would continue that work of unity. Allow us to be the hands and feet of Christ to one another as well as the community around us. And be with those who are hurting this morning, whether it's relationally or physically or they're in need of housing or job. May you care for your people well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when looking at this passage, verse 13 and 14 really set the stage. It says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling ox and sheep and doves and money changers sitting there. And so he sets the stage here. And in the Old Testament, we need to understand a little bit about where they are. In this passage, he's talking about the temple and what the temple is. The temple is extremely important to the people of God. If you were to ask any ancient Israelite to tell you the place that is most important on the entire earth, you would get a clear and consistent answer. The temple of Jerusalem. It's the place where heaven and earth met. It was where the creator God had chosen to take up residence among his people. It was a sacred place where Israel's priests 
His priestly representatives would enter into God's presence on their behalf, give thanks and confession and praise. This building was where Israelites would pilgrim to for centuries and was a cornerstone to the covenant relationship of God to his people. Well, inside the temple court, before you got into the actual building, into the temple court, a place meant for prayer and other acts of worship to God. There were pens of oxen and sheep. It says in the scripture, pigeons or doves and sellers sitting around waiting to make a transaction. And others who were there who had made this long pilgrim to the temple who were there to exchange their money into the right currency so they could make a purchase of one of these animals to make a right sacrifice before God. You see, the outward reason, though this is very foreign to us, it would be very normal for them, the outward reason was set up was probably because the law required these sacrifices of oxen and sheep and doves. And many worshipers would have come a long way to get there. And they would not have brought the sacrifice with them, so they needed somebody there in the temple courts to purchase, to be selling what they needed, the animal to sacrifice, so that animal was then readily made available to them. And so you could say this was the loving thing to do for these people to be, ser- to be selling these animals. But what was Jesus' response to this? Verse 15 and 16, after making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house into a market. So we see here that Jesus, the one who sits with children, says to have the children come to me, the one who does miracles caring for the masses, he is not just the gentle Jesus that sometimes we have been sold. What we see here is Jesus literally flipping over tables, taking a whip that he made out of cords and driving animals out of the temple courts. I want that to sink in that the Jesus that we serve is not just some docile, gentle God, but he is one that is willing to rebuke and rebuke in a mighty way. But Jesus obviously didn't approve of what he saw, so why not? What was the problem that he saw? What made Jesus so upset and so angry is in verse 16. It points out, he says, between there's a difference between my father's house and the marketplace that they are making. My father's house, the temple, what he is pointing to is this is where the presence of God would come into play. In this temple, my father has a supreme place. We think about Psalm 8411. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. A day in the presence of God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 7325. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. But that focus. The reason for the temple, the reason for the temple being an opportunity to have a relationship with God, that focus has been replaced by a salesman with a focus on trade. 
ultimately a focus on making money. And there's no reference here to the people that need the animals. The rebuking is to the men who are trying to gain a profit, that are exploiting the people. And the history tells us that they're upselling these animals so they can make an extreme profit on these folks who have walked days to get there. The anger is directed at them. In John 2.25, it says, He himself knew what was in man. That veneer of religious helpfulness was actually covering up the grossness of their heart. So yes, Jesus is angry at them for using his father's house as a way to swindle people. But because people are using, he's ultimately angry because people are using God's temple as a means to an end. They're using the temple of God to feed their earthly greed. Now we think about this idol of greed. We think about the fact that people are, are coming in and are trying to use the place of God to, to line their bank accounts. They're practically the end is growing their personal wealth. And we are to ask ourselves, why did they do this? What would lead somebody to go into the temple courts and be able and, and forget that this is a place to commune with God and instead say, I'm going to make some extra coin here today by exploiting these people who need these sacrifices on this day in order to, to have these sacrifices ready for them? Why do they do that? We have to ask ourselves the same question. When we are tempted, when we are faced in trusting God's goodness, or instead focusing on fill in the blank, whether it's money, or when we're stressed and we fill in the blank with buying something, or when we're stressed and we fill in the blank with running to people's approval, we have to ask ourselves, what is the question under the sin? What is the desire under the sin? The men who are making the mistake of selling and turning the temple into a marketplace they're not just committing the sin of greed. They're ultimately looking for something else. Ultimately, they're searching for something that can only be found in Jesus. Because we think that money are better yet the things that money provides. When you think about your bank account and why we're so tempted to run after more money, the next dollar, the next hundred, the next paycheck... Obviously, we need, we need the money to provide the things for our life that we, in order to sustain the life that we have. But so often we are looking for more and more and more. It is not just to have more money in the bank account. It's oftentimes for something deeper as well. We're looking for the status that it provides. We're looking for the stability of being able to trust in the bank account rather than trust in the Lord to provide. We're looking for the stuff, the instant but oftentimes empty comfort that money provides. So the real message of this story, the real picture here is that these men who have their tables overturned and are driven out by Christ, they're not only being rebuked for their sin, but they're also being rebuked for being so close to being able to commune with God, yet choosing instead the emptiness of sin. When I read this passage, I asked myself the question of what would Jesus, if he were here today, what tables would he overturn? And I thought about him overturning tables for the religious greed in the world. I thought about him overturning tables about how Christians 
has so often stopped caring about the poor or those who are truly hurting in our cities and in our towns. I thought about the racism in society. He would overturn the tables of the men and women who are, seem to have turned a blind eye to those who are hurting in our country. But then I realized that as a follower of Christ that reads Romans 7 that was read earlier by Amy, I can't just look at what I would think he would do, but I have to look at what he would do in my own heart. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Men and women of Redeemer, we've got to admit that there are specific tables inside of us that need to be overturned. And through the Holy Spirit, through the gentleness of God, He, during this Lenten season, wants to expose that sin, wants to expose the things that we run to instead of running to Jesus so that we can confess and move past that sin. During Lent, we invite you every year during this season to think of what God has asked you to give up. And some of you have been you've been fasting for the last two or three weeks as we have begun Lent. And some of you, this is an invitation. Even if you're late to the party, you're welcome to join in. But oftentimes it's an opportunity for us to take stock of our lives and say, what are the things that instead of running to Jesus when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, when I'm hungry, when I'm hurting, instead of running to Jesus, what do I tend to run to? And for you, it could be greed. So this could be an opportunity to fast from uh, Amazon purchases. Or it could be a, to fast from Target runs. Or it could be a fast from, you know, whatever it is for you that you run to money-wise to make yourself feel better. Or you could look at your life and say, when I am hurting, when I'm lonely, when I'm anxious, I run to food of a certain kind. And so this could be your opportunity to fast from certain desserts or food that you tend to run to instead of running to Jesus. Or it could be any number of other things. It could be alcohol. Uh, it could be uh, any number of other things that are specific to you. But that's the question that you're asking here today. That if Jesus rebuked these greedy people for turning this temple into a marketplace, ultimately flipping over the tables of their sin, it begs us the question, what are we searching for that can truly only be found in Jesus what Jesus wants these people to understand is that as they are in the courts selling these doves and these oxen and, and to making money for that, just on the other side, probably a hundred yards away, is the presence of God in the deep parts of that temple. They want to see the contrast that yet they're choosing the emptiness of their sin when they could have the robust relationship with their creator, God. And that's the question that I want us all to be asking today. Is that if God could look into our lives, where would he point and say, do not keep running to that sin, but instead come and commune with me? The same God that flips over the tables is also the same God that says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your kindness and generosity to us. And that's not just in blessing us 
It's not just in the, the easy scriptures, but it is in the fact that even in the difficult scriptures like we have here, where you're rebuking sin, that we invite you to apply those to our lives as well. We pray that you would, in your goodness, point out our sin during this Lent season so we can turn from that sin and turn towards intimacy with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.